our hearts are made for truth. So there is that sense of desiring uh, to know. Um, so rarely did anyone just say like, no, I'm not talking to you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stories from the Street with Brian. And Beth. And today we are excited to have my good friend, Deacon Patrick May, speak about his time as the president of the Evangelization Club at Mount St. Mary's. Uh, but before we get to him, I wanted to start us off in prayer. And today I actually have the prayer of St. Francis. I was very blessed to be able to go to a CC. Uh, and right next to me, I have this what's called the Simple Prayer. And I thought it'd be great to kind of bring to the podcast. So let's just take a moment and just offer up this podcast and this conversation uh, through the intercession of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, let me sow faith. Where there is despair, let me sow hope. Where there is darkness, let me sow light. Where there is sadness, let me sow joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. Lord, it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. St. Francis. Pray for us. Pray for us. I was really struck by the um, St. Francis prayer, the first part about being an instrument, about losing yourself and, you know, letting God take over. And that was, that's what it means when you're evangelizing. You're being God's instrument to bring people to him. Yeah. And St. Francis, I was like, may I not so much to seek to be consoled as to console. Yeah. I'm constantly looking to be consoled by you basically every morning when we meet Beth. I'm just like, Beth, here's what happened in my life. Can we just give me some sort of consent? Oh, I'm sure. But I know in your time on campus ministry, the kids especially, they're in, they're in such a transition time. There's so much going on and the problems are so big in their mind, even if they really aren't, but that's all they know. And it's, uh, you know, they're, they're working through it. They're working through their transition. So I know there's a lot of consolation. They, they're looking for someone to talk to. They, they are. And I think there's, especially on the college campus, we're about to bring on, you know, Patrick May. And we, I was actually able to join him on what Mount St. Mary's does, which is they, they bring a group of seminarians to college campuses uh, to be able to speak with college students about where they are in their own faith and actually invite them to come hear the gospel message by a seminarian who presents what he, we call the kerygma, which is essentially just proclaiming who Jesus Christ is and allowing him to be able to, uh, the, calling us to be able to place God at the center of our lives and make him first in our lives. And I think that's why the conditions of discipleship was also just um, a good uh, Bible verse just to reflect on and pray about, like, what does it look like when we're asking for people to put God at the center of our lives and above um, everything? I think it, it's a, it's easy to look at it of it's really hard, but it's just whoever loves the father more than these things. So the the great call is not to not love other things and especially the love of our mothers and fathers and things that responsibilities that, you know, even children, like we were called to love them, but what does it look like to, to love God more? And I think that is not an answer uh, that even many people and many college students as when they think of Christianity, 
Um, it's not how can I love God the most is not their first thought. The first thought is mainly a moralism. I'm just supposed to, I'm a good person so that I'm a Christian, you know, like it's like, no, the question is more about how can we fall in love with God? Um, and, and once we know that God exists and like, what is it that we can do so that we can spend eternity with him? I yeah. can't wait to hear what um, Deacon Patrick. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, I'm let's, excited to hear his story. I know. Let's, let's, we're done listening to me. Um, and <laughs> let's and let's bring on uh, let's bring on Deacon Patrick. Man, he is a he's a deacon for the Diocese of Savannah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, just bring him on the conversation. So, yeah, hey, hey, Patrick. Hey, Brian. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so great to have you here, Deacon. Absolutely. Yeah, Patrick, um, wanted to bring you on here today because we, um, we know that you're, you're studying at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. And at that seminary, they actually have what they call an evangelization club. And you at one point were the president of that. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of, that you can speak a little bit more about what that evangelization club is over there at Mount St. Mary's and what they do. Sure. And uh, the evangelization club at the Mount is something that's, it's really been awesome for the guys that that have been there and have been able to go on some of these trips. And at least just for a background of my experience, um, when I got to Mount St. Mary's, I had heard about these trips when I arrived and there was some of the deacons were talking about it and some of the, the other guys. And I, I really didn't have any idea what it was. And it kind of sounded really scary to me, you know, first year of seminary and they're talking about going on a college campus in clerics, which I had never worn before, and just going to talk to college students um, about the faith. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do that You know, down the road. That just, I just don't think I'm ready for that. I just got here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the deacons came to me, and uh, his name's now Father Thomas Cavanaugh, and he's the one that really got this going at the Mount. And he just asked me, he said, you know, um, why don't you come on this trip? We're going to go and talk to people about Jesus. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. And he said, well, what are you doing for spring break? And I said, uh, let me get back to you. <laughs> He's like, all right, you're coming. And uh, so that was it. And, and basically what, what Father Thomas was saying, is like, listen, you're here because at the seminary, because you know Jesus, he called you uh, to discern the priesthood. All you have to do is go talk to people about Jesus, who you already know. There doesn't need to be any kind of expert training or experience or classes. I mean, those things can help you, but it's like anyone that um, has a great experience with someone or like a movie or a restaurant, it's very natural and easy to talk about that. However, the person of Jesus is unlike any other topic, any other person that it's naturally going to create some type of response, either a positive or maybe a negative or maybe a curious response. And so that's what some of the training does um, for these trips. But just by way of just kind of explaining, I guess, how the trips work. And Brian, you've, you've been on these trips. And mm -hmm. just what we do is we take 30 seminarians to a college campus for about three days. And we just go out and pairs of two and talk to students, uh, just casual conversations. We're all wearing clerics. So they know, right. That we right. represent the church and it's just to talk to them and try to share uh, the faith with them and see if they, they know anything about God. And what, what would you say? So there we are just the, the even 
give a greater foundation for what's what's happening. I mean, you say 30, it's normally like around 30, but of course all the seminarians are invited and welcome to come. It's normally 30 that respond to Father Kavanaugh's invitation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a question, yeah. Guys. yeah, what's your question, Beth? Do you go to any any college campuses? Are they Catholic campuses, secular campuses? Like how do you pick where do you, where you go? Yeah, so they are... Um, Generally, not um, Catholic campuses. They're generally secular schools. And the way we pick really is we just send out feelers. Um, We've had uh, early on, at least, so that we've been doing these trips for about 10 years now. So they kind of, um, our name is out there. So we've actually now had schools ask us, you know, their campus ministry department or their chaplain say, hey, please come to George Mason or please come to Virginia Tech. However, in the beginning, it was just kind of putting feelers out and contacting the school and saying, hey, we'd love to come down there. Is this something we could do? And basically every school that we've um, you know, asked is entirely open. And it's just a matter at that point, logistics of traveling and housing 30 mm-hmm. seminarians and feeding us. And the communities are great, either with uh, the parish families or Knights of Columbus. They, they really take care of us. And, um, yeah, it's it's generally secular schools. Right. And one of of the other things that I I know is we wanted to do was also make sure that the campus had focus. And is that something that they're still doing, Patrick? Um, it's not a requirement. So when I was looking into, uh, selecting the schools, when I was the president of it and I became the father Kavanaugh trying to recruit people to go, Mm on these trips and uh, cornering them at the seminary. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, we generally like to go to schools that have focus because we know the reputation that focus has and that there's going to be a solid campus ministry, a Catholic community to kind of, in a sense, pass them on to Mm -hmm. because we're only there for three days. We can't, you know, follow up with these students. And so if it's a school that, you know, we don't really know that well, if they have focus, we can at least like trust that the focused missionaries can follow up with are at least somewhat interested in maybe uh, pursuing faith in a, in a more intentional way. That's very important. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's, that's just what I was thinking about um, in terms of we want to be, it's one thing just to have the conversation with these students, but then I just remember it being important that focus was there so that that way they could have the follow-up. And as you mentioned, I went on these myself, like when I was a seminarian with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was great. Like just when I was speaking to students, uh, I just remember, um, I remember one girl who actually I, I spoke with and I, and I was able to hand her off to the focus missionary. And I was actually able to get in contact with that missionary uh, after it was over and just to still hear that she was still, still involved. And yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. Like just to be able to have that. But in terms of just like the training uh, that you, you mentioned before, like, okay, we have maybe 30 guys or so from Mount St. Mary's that sign up to be able to be willing to go on this mission on the college campus. Uh, what, is, what kind of training would you guys normally do? Could you just kind of speak about that? Yeah, so um, this is what Father Kavanaugh put together when he was kind of setting this up at Mount St. Mary's was, you know, the buzzword always is, Recently, new evangelization, right? New evangelization, evangelize, evangelize, get out there. And he's saying, you know, what is that? And you're really praying and, and trying to wrestle with how does the church want us to evangelize? And Father Kavanaugh, through reading, I, I believe it was uh, Novo Millennio in, Inuente. It's 
um, yeah, it was an apostolic exhortation. Obviously, yes. Obviously, you of course. <laughs> uh, but basically, the key insight that Father had was that evangelization is simply making Christ present in the world. And so our first training um, module that we have, there's four of them. The first one is contemplating the face of Christ. And this is just the reminder uh, for the seminarians to be before any evangelization. It's about the prayer life and the personal um, relationship acknowledgement of who Jesus is in our life. Wow. So basically radiating Christ is, is the end of evangelization. That's the goal. So that's where we start with. And wow. then what does that, what does that look yeah. like though? I mean that, I mean, it's just, just go in there. Yeah. Like, how does it look like to contemplate the face of Christ? Like, yeah, you're right. That's a, um, it's going to take, I guess, a different, uh, approach for all, all guys and, and what their prayer life is like, what their spiritual life kind of their flavor is. But, um, basically it's, you know, going to meet someone with the dispositions and the, the interior, uh, heart of Jesus. Hmm. So when you meet someone, you know, we're not coming to, you know, get them to be convinced of the doctrines of the Catholic faith, right? even though that's important, but it's ultimately to be Christ to that person that's in front of us. And the only way we can truly do that is to know Christ and be in his presence and to be transformed by him so that, you know, they see Christ in us. And so Before with anything is, you know, said as far as, apologetics or if that's their their questions about you know what about this or what about that mm-hmm. why, do we, why do we have a pope yeah yeah, exactly. why, yeah. i guess even even that mo- a lot of them were moral questions more than more than mm-hmm. anything but even uh i mean i was just thinking man it's been so long since i've been i've been in that training i actually didn't even remember that that being i do remember that being our first session that's, uh, that's what a- it looks like contemplating like session number one we're about to go you imagine this group of seminarians where we 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 take about two months beginning two months prior to all these seminarians going to this college campus we're preparing and session one is contemplating the face of christ that's where you start that's perfect it is yeah yeah we have that in our basic evangelization training too the spiritual life of the evangelist Mm -hmm. you know the holy spirit is the principal evangelist so you have to be there Great. So you start with that. What are the other, what are the next start with that. So the other three are the, um, the, the presentation of the kerygma, the personal testimony. And then the last one is kind of, it's had several different names, but you know, how to win friends for Christ, uh, closing the deal, kind of intentional conversations, more kind of like practical things in the dialogue um, with a student that is going to be kind of like effective for, uh, evangelization and just kind of getting past the surface level of, you know, how's the football team here? What major do you have to, you know, what do you know about God? Like diving right into, you know, <laughs> right. have you ever heard about Jesus? But sometimes right. if we're not intentional, it can stay at the, the surface level. Um, so the last one is kind of more on the, the practical side of things. So the kerygma, of course, is the, the gospel proclamation um, just of, you know, God coming in into our world and, and needing uh, to be redeemed from our sin and ultimately the, the incarnation and, and, and the saving reality of Jesus. Patrick, I know at the end, like one of the things that we try to do 
on on this mission is to invite them to come hear a talk by a seminary. And so normally when we're there and having conversations, we're saying, Hey, this Tuesday night, you should come to an event. We're gonna have free food. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so normally some sort of free food, like maybe pizza, and you should come hang out at the Newman Center. There's gonna be a seminary and he gives a talk. Did you yeah. would you ever give like the Kragma did you ever give a Kragma right there in the middle of a conversation that you would have um, on campus? So yeah, that was one of the things is I never really, the kerygma wasn't kind of one of the things that I used a lot. Um, I opted for personal testimony um, more. People, and just in my experience, responded really well. And it kind of like, you kind of show a, a vulnerability in a sense that allows them to enter into like a trust of just like, oh, wow, this is a real guy. He's had his own struggles or whatnot but at the same time still using the kerygma in my personal testimony. So it's kind of like a hybrid really of, of um, the two and really just seeing the kerygma maybe played out in a particular uh, person's life, either mine or any other seminarian. It's a great way to do it mm-hmm. to integrate the two because they, they do blend so well together and it makes it real. The kerygma on its own mm-hmm. can be too catechetical. If you, if you just mm-hmm. like start, you know, uh, start, pronouncing and proclaiming it just straight out. But when you mix it with your testimony, I love the way you said that it brings trust because you're a real person with a real relationship. So I think yeah. that's important. I would, I would use Patrick's testimony myself. I would be like, um, I have a friend here who has an incredible testimony. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to hear about mine. It's pretty boring. I just came in because there was free pizza at my youth group, but you should hear this guy. So this Patrick. <laughs> Uh, good. <laughs> future father Pat- yeah future father patrick as well but um yeah that the patrick story is crazy uh, he's like didn't you like you've won like the ultimate frisbee championship uh in college in a year this disc golf yeah this frisbee this golf and then also just an incredible tennis player and then you also had someone before you went to school every morning um, from China, show you how to play ping pong. Is that- yes, that's true. Yeah, so a lot of uh, unique sports in my background and training, and uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And that led to your conversion? Not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah. I just think it's all awesome. So I, that yeah. Was- <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What would you say would be the like uh, the one thing that did actually lead to your conversion? Yeah, so the, the one thing that uh, I'd say it's two. One was just kind of um, being dissatisfied with the things I was doing in my life and there was no fulfillment in them. Hmm. And two, seeing like young Catholics live their faith, like the, the authentic witness of other Catholics, like the joy and fulfillment they had. So seeing my life, I was like, I'm Catholic. And this is how my life is. And I'm not really happy with it. You're Catholic and your life has so much peace and joy. How do I get what you have? <laughs> so those were the yeah. two things that kind of spurred my conversion. And so dude, you're on the college campus and you're actually sharing that with students. Like where, are there any cool stories that come like, as you're sharing your testimony and people are now, maybe you're on the other side of that. Uh, maybe people might be able to see something in you that they want for themselves or. Yeah. So um, there's, there's lots of different stories and this is one of the beautiful things about, evangelizing two by two, right? With another, mm-hmm. another seminarian. And you do generally try to have guys that have either different backgrounds or different conversion stories so that, you know, you encounter a guy, for example, that's like in a fraternity. Well, I'm going to be able to relate to him because I also was in a fraternity, but then my partner 
is from like a drama and arts background and, and did all kinds of music in college. So when we encounter someone with an entirely different, um, you know, circumstances in their life can kind of like, uh, tag team in a sense, like you take this one, but you're not saying that it's just kind of, they, you just jump in intuitively. That would um, happen naturally in a conversation. If yeah. Yeah. It really helps it out. And the guys, um, of course, just jump right in when it's, of course, common ground, something that can relate. And then that trust continues to build so that you can have a more kind of a deeper conversation. But, and this is in a sense, the art of evangelization where you might only have five or 10 minutes with a person there. I'm on the way to class. Do you mind if we talk to you for a sec? Yeah, sure. Just walk with me and, and you've got 10 minutes and it's like, okay, you have to quickly break down like, what is the end goal between now and by the time this person arrives, arrives at class? Um, one of the ones I remember in particular was a, a young lady. We were at the University of Florida, and she had – so during these uh, evangelization trips, we always have Eucharistic adoration on campus outside, generally at one of the squares or kind of like the free speech zone. And it's amazing all the, all the schools let us do this. So we have the seminarians uh, each – pair will have a um, designated holy hour that they'll come through and make sure that there's someone uh, present before the blessed sacrament, but there's always students from campus ministry around. Well, we were there, my partner and I, it was our, our turn. And we were in this beautiful, like grassy shaded area in Florida on spring break. We got a lot of guys to go on that trip. Of course, leaving Maryland in February to go to Florida for a week. (laughs) So we had no problem with signups, but um, <laughs> I was with you on that one. Yeah, that was an awesome one. <laughs> um, but there was a girl that kept, she was like sitting down by a tree and she kept looking at us and I could tell there was something just, she was very curious and she would look over and then like, for whatever reason I was, I made eye contact with her a couple of times and then she would like look away and I was like, I'm going over there. And uh, I just felt like she wanted to talk, but she wasn't about to just come over to where we were praying. So I just went and talked to her. And um, she was just really, I, I just sensed that she was really struggling with a lot, just heaviness of life. I don't know what it was. And she kind of asked a few questions that opened the door for me to to share some of my experience. Um, I never really want to force our you know, conversion story on someone or the kerygma. But if there's kind of a window, it's like, hey, do you mind if I share, you know, kind of what I went through in college and um, just see if, if it relates at all. And yeah, by the time I was, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute into just sharing some of the stuff that I had struggled with, she just started crying, um, just really emotional. And it was just one of these, moments that um and we didn't really say a lot after that and i didn't even um follow up too much with her because she needed some space but it was like the lord was just really like penetrating um the circumstance of her life just i guess by seeing maybe she was a fallen away catholic um i don't know but Hmm. there's something about our just presence there that struck her and and this is the thing about these trips, right, with evangelization, is that we're sowing lots of seeds, and rarely do we see the fruit 
that's hopefully harvested because we're there for three days and then, and then we're gone. Right. Um, and, and that's okay. It's just that we are called to, to witness, uh, to be faithful and, and, and share Christ with others and allow those that follow up with the missionaries to do so. And then the, the other ones is, is up to them and the Holy spirit of where like God will take them, uh, from where they're at, from where that girl was, um, of just, I guess there was just either like a personal conviction of desire to change. That's what I saw in this experience with her, at least. Um, and there wasn't a lot said. It was just one of those very um, unique ones. That was beautiful. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works, you know, just and how God orchestrates the whole day. She happened to be sitting right there. There was adoration right there. Is that a coincidence? Of course not. That's beautiful. It is. At that university, I remember there being a Dunkin' Donuts basically attached to the church. Yes. And that was amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. I don't even like Florida, but I, <laughs> because I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fan, but come on. <laughs> yeah. I wore my jersey into the stadium. Oh, yeah, you did. You wore your UGA version. <laughs> you wore that Bulldog. Didn't I take a picture? Yeah. <laughs> of you with your Bulldogs jersey in the stadium. <laughs> Who's the Bulldog fan? We are both. Of you we both are. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we're both huge Georgia Bulldog fans. Yeah, not me so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bad game, a bad Bulldog game that this past season. Oh, Notre Dame yeah. versus. But, oh, I was about to say, yeah. We were, yeah Brian, Patrick Brian was at that there. game. Yeah, we were both there. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. that was really amazing. Didn't it, wait? It was you guys that had a sign, right, Patrick? What at that game? Yeah, Mark did. Oh, Mark did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot. I don't remember what it said. Yeah, I can't remember either. I just remember being really funny. Um, so, so I guess that the only last thing, Patrick, that uh, I mean, I, I had a, 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 even you mentioned we we talk about like. The, how this evangelism trip might change the people that you encounter. I mean, the whole hope is like mm-hmm. to go there and be there on the college campus. I guess what about how would you say this has affected the seminarians and those who actually go like, do you, would you, how do you think these trips actually take effect and like, or how is it even maybe even getting more personal? Like how is, have you seen that your effect, like your everyday life yeah. and the way that you view evangelization in the world now that you've gone on these trips? Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to say one thing real quick on, sure. on the, um, the students just to follow up with that is that because of the many different types of people that we encounter, um, you know, we're, there's fallen away Catholics, there's uh, devout Christians who are curious about the Catholic faith, there are the atheists and agnostic. So there's a wide range of, of people that you encounter. And, you know, for the fallen away Catholic yeah, we're trying to get them plugged back in, maybe to meet the missionaries, to maybe go to a penance service or go to mass with the others. We try to answer their questions. And then for the vast majority, is this back to this building trust. And in, in one conversation with 10 minutes, rarely can you get a person, I mean, from absolutely no faith to like sign me up for a Bible study. Okay. <laughs> So the building has that ever trust, happened? Have you? Has that ever happened? Um, not with me. I'm sure um, other holier and more effective seminaries <laughs> have definitely done that. Okay. So but um, but <laughs> probably the, Father Thomas. Have, when we walk away, is we never want we want them 
to leave our conversation wherever we talk about is to say, wow, I didn't, I trust the Catholic church more now or period. Like I'd never had before. I always, we want them to walk away with a very positive experience of the church. So it doesn't have to be a knockdown, drag them out, convincing argument for, for God or for the faith. Um, but the, the key thing is that they have a positive and trusting interaction with the church. And if we do that, maybe 20 years later, someone else is there to, to harvest that fruit and they can think back like, yeah, I remember that time, you know, 20 years ago, I talked to uh, that, that guy on campus and he seemed like a, a really normal, a normal guy and was like genuinely wanted to have a conversation and not just like preach at me. And so a lot of the times, that's simply what most of these conversations are. Um, some of the other ones last a couple hours, and they really are on like a spiritual seeking track. And then you have the opportunity to kind of present the faith to them a little bit more. But um, we want them to have this positive encounter with Christ and his church. And if we can do that, um, they're, they're on the path to uh, knowing the Lord in a, in a more intentional way either soon or in the future. Yeah. That's so important. That's great. We actually just, I mentioned this to you, Patrick, before is that we were, I was actually talking to Steve, um, who's, I guess the president of St. Paul street evangelization. And like, I think that's one of the discussions that we're continuing to have as an apostle, as we hit the streets is like, we want to like, what is, how do we bridge this gap between a concern, like and a desire for someone's salvation. Right. And, um, like in an interview that we had with Steve, it's like, we want, like, our whole goal is that someone, you know, actually come to know, love and so- serve the Lord. And so that way they can have salvation and relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, and like, and then are these one-time encounters of recognizing that like the reality of, of us, or even like, maybe like we can always trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you mentioned like the whole first thing is like, we want to be filled with the Holy spirit. Like that's the principal agent of this evangelization, but the practicality of bringing someone from, you know, they're just walking on a college campus or maybe even for St. Paul street evangelization, they're just walking on the street and not even, it's not like they, they even know what they're walking into until like you encounter them and meet them and to like bring them to the point of like, mm-hmm. of like that, the, are like the, the end end goal is their salvation. But what can we do in that one conversation? And I think like what can maybe a, a positive experience with the church uh, is like something that could eventually, you know, in, in prayer, like lead to um, them later considering placing God, like what is, okay. Like I had this positive encounter with the church and then that way, if they were invited to a Catholic church in the future or invited, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to like that way they, they can, they can recall like, Oh yeah, I trust the church. Like maybe this is something I can look into. Yeah, I think that's that's part of the art of evangelization and kind of diagnosing, you know, what opportunity you may or may not have with an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's someone that you're going to be able to follow up with, then you can kind of take a different approach. If it's someone you have, you know, one minute with, what is the Lord wanting me to give to this person mm-hmm. right now that is yeah. best for their salvation? Maybe it's just a smile. I mean, with one minute, you can't do a lot. Right. But, but <laughs> It's so, just the reality. Yeah. And, but, um, yeah, and that's, that's, um, of getting out there and, and putting yourself in situations where you're going to kind of 
be able to better and more quickly discern that in the future. And that's what these trips do for the guys, right? Going into your, your question about how does it impact seminarians? Well, for one, I always tell guys, like, I still get butterflies going on these evangelization trips. I've been to seven or eight of them and spent hours and hours doing it. It doesn't get easier in a sense. Like, you're still, you know, cold calling, right? Going up to a complete stranger and, and talking about the faith is, is always going to be a, a little bit, you know, challenging for most people. And that's okay. There's, there's some sense of healthy um, uncomfortability there. But what it has done is shown me how awesome just one conversation can really um, strike a person, just a, a couple of, of phrases. And it's just made me more comfortable in my everyday life, whether it's at the grocery store or um, playing sports, of just to be comfortable to share the faith and and have kind of a, a, a toolkit to kind of diagnose of like, what's this person really asking? Or like, what do they, what's their real concern? They might be saying this, but it seems like there's something deeper there. And to be able to kind of just, you know, really listen to people and see where they're at and what is really on their heart. And so I think that's what these trips do for these guys is one sees that every seminary and every Christian can and should do this, should be equipped in a sense to talk about the most important person in our life. Um, but we have to get out there and do it. And that, that takes kind of jumping off the deep end sometimes. Um, but it's not rocket science. And <laughs> it's not all up to us either, thankfully. And so we just kind of um, step out there and, and do do what we can and just have these conversations with people. And, and many people, like you say, are not – they're kind of caught off guard. I mean, this is not an everyday conversation for most people, especially when you just stop them on the street and it's like, Whoa, I was you know, thinking about my grocery list and now you're talking to me about <laughs> salvation. Right. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but most of them, I mean, and just in, even my experience of being a, a full-time missionary with focus on the college campus and then even going on these outings with you and then even doing street evangelization, is sometimes people are, are genuinely busy. Like they're on their way to class. It starts in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and you can't talk. But I mean, those are not the people that you normally find yourself talking to. Normally when you're on the college campus or even when you're on the street, it's people who look like they're lingering. They have a little bit of time and a lot of times they're open. I mean, did you find that? Like how much rejection would you find on the college campus? Yeah, rarely did anyone outright reject conversation. Um, I mean, our hearts are made for truth. So there is that sense of desiring uh, to know. Um, so rarely did anyone just say like, no, I'm not talking to you. Um, now they might argue with us about different things. Okay, that's fine. But hardly, and that's what surprised me from my first evangelization trip. I, I imagine a lot of people were just going to say like, no, thanks. I've heard it before. Don't want to hear about it. I mean, most people are, are pretty respectful and will at least hear you out. And a lot of times you, it was the ones that kind of said like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to you for a second. And the ones that I'm talking to for three hours <laughs> at first, they're just kind of like appeasing you. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. And then they ask a question and then there you go. Did you have a particular opening line with these young people on campus? Yeah. So what I would do, it was great because we we're all wearing, you know, the clergy collar. So I mean, we have 30 guys on campus that look like priests. Um, and so I would always kind of just, 
lead in with like, Hey, have you seen like the priest walking around? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And then I was just like, yeah, I just want to, yeah, we're, have you heard anything? And they're like, no. And say, okay, well, I just want to let you know we're, we're here just to meet students. We're on our spring break and we're visiting from Maryland and we just wanted to kind of meet you guys and see what the campus was like and see if there's any kind of like get the spiritual pulse of the campus. And, and so are you involved with anything here or, and then, so that was generally my go-to. That's a great icebreaker. Have you seen the priest walking around? Have you seen all these priests walking around? Uh, What's what's going on? Oh, let me tell you. (laughs) That, you know, that's one, one thing about, you know, dressing in your clerics out there. It was really, uh, uh, icebreaker in that sense. And it also probably struck a little bit of curiosity throughout the day, throughout the second day. So, you know, I want to talk to one of these guys. Who are these guys? Mm. Right, right. And they would see, you know, other students, you know, t- talking to a seminarian and be like, I wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> That's great. It's true. Now, we always give out stuff. We give out a rosary, a prayer card. Did you have things that you were, was that part of your conversation, part of the way you did things, or was there a different method? Yeah, so we always at least had, um, we had things, materials with us, so either like a pocket Bible, we had rosaries. One of the things we always tried to hand out was, kind of an invitation to the the closing event, which was going to be pizza and show them where the Newman Center was. Um, it was so something that, you know, they could take with them to know, you know, something after the conversation. Now, we always had a booth, kind of like a home base on campus where we had the adoration tent. And last year when I was the president, I ordered the starter kit from St. Paul Street Evangelization that had all the resources, all the goodies. So, <laughs> Perfect. So we, oh, yeah. We had, but we it had, does. It has a bit of everything. It you? really does. It's so good. Yeah, it did. And, and the thing that I love um, that really helped us was the sign, the the two-way sign that would have like a question like on it or I can't, I can't remember what our sign said. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's always just kind of like a non-threatening invitation, like see the sign and see someone kind of like, make a, a face or something or like raise their eyebrows. It's like, Oh, maybe this person might want to talk. Um, so we would hand out rosaries, miraculous medals, different things at our kind of our home base uh, tent um, flyers or pamphlets. That's great. And uh, I mean, I'm just thinking personally, the reason I actually fell in love with St. Paul street evangelization is because even if like if I'm honest, like with myself, even after going, even after being a missionary focus and even after being a seminarian and studying philosophy and theology, I still felt this divide of, I didn't really allow these evangelism missions and all my work with evangelization carry over to my everyday life that much. And I, cause just cause it's, I find it hard. Like I, as you mentioned, like I still got butterflies talking to people and I didn't really know how to break the ice with someone at the grocery store and in my everyday life. And it wasn't, and and then like it was through St. Paul street evangelization and then having the miraculous medals that like, I almost always have one, like just carrying one with me. And like, I just found that to be such an easy icebreaker because who doesn't love to receive gifts, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so like, uh, yeah. And like, so that's essentially what I do now is like, just be able to have one of those around to, to care, to carry around and to give away. Um, even like when I'm on the street and, maybe doing some intentional evangelization, but even when I'm not just 
Um, that way a guy can like really enter into any, any time in my life. And like, I can have conversations with people all the time. And they're so awesome. People love talking about these deeper things that mm -hmm. are happening in their life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's divine so good. Appointments. God will put those divine appointments in your path. Right. You know, Deacon, one of the things that you said that I really appreciated, you said it a couple of times, you used the phrase, the art of evangelization. And I thought that was really good. Um, it's, um, you need to be very genuine in your conversations. And it sounds like that you recognize that and you are, you genuinely are listening to people, hearing what they have to say, letting the Lord lead you. Um, not going in with an agenda, not trying to hit a quota, not uh, treating the people um, like a project. Mm -hmm. And I think people would see through that. They would see mm -hmm. through if you were just trying to like, okay, how many guys am I going to get in here? But that's not, how you, that's not how you operate. And I could tell just by the way you were talking about that, it's very genuine. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we seminarians are doing that because they, it's so much fun to go out there and just talk to complete strangers. <laughs> and I, no, it's so, yeah, it's a lot of butterflies and, you know, it's always, it's a scary thing to do, but we work, work up the courage, or at least, you know, when I was there, like with Patrick, just working up the courage mm -hmm. to do it simply because um, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Numbers can be a temptation in a many, a lot of ministry. Like how many did you get? How many did you get? And, and it's not how many it's, it's, did you talk to the ones that God put in front of you? Hmm. Did you present yourself, present the Lord to those in your path, those divine appointments and, and the temptation of trying to get quotas and trying to get numbers can take us off our, our path, our genuine path. Yeah. Yeah. We can lose, lose sight of the goal of, but it helps us to stay, you know, focus in a sense on, because um, on these evangelization trips, it can be a real like spiritual um, oppression in a sense of like fear or despair. Like one person turns you down, then you start going back to Dunkin' Donuts for like the third coffee and yes. kind of hiding <laughs> out. <laughs> so, um, so there's that balance between like, am I actually putting myself out here? And then, or am I just, you know, trying to check, check through the checklist and get lots of people. So there's a healthy, um, you know, discernment there of where the Lord really wants you to be and for how long. And yeah, I think, like you said, Beth, that that's the art side of it is mm -hmm. juggling all these things. And, and, um, we learned that through, um, getting out there and doing it and learning from those who have, have gone before in a sense. Oh. And you can tell when you're evangelizing and you're having that conversation, you can tell if the Lord is leading the way or if it's just you pushing through it. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had some conversations where the words out of my mouth are like, whoa, where did these come from? Why did I think of this particular thing? And it's like, mm -hmm. hitting. exactly. I mean, you, you just know that you're letting the Lord lead. But I've had other conversations that didn't go that well. And I could just tell I'm forcing this. And I, and I realized afterwards, I didn't pray. I wasn't praying during that conversation. I wasn't mm -hmm. asking the Lord right then to be a part of the conversation. And uh, I was relying on my own uh, words, my own, you know, whatever. And it never goes as well that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I know a lot for me, I, I love to start with the position of, you know, philosophy and just like the greater questions that are that I began asking that kind of even led me to, you know, deep in my own faith, like, who are we, how do we exist? And, you know, how, how do we get here? What is there a purpose to life? 
and allowing, but then I found myself more leaning towards those than leaning towards like maybe just like listening to one, the person. And even two, I think you're also trying to listen to the Holy spirit is what you're saying, Beth. And like, sometimes I wouldn't, you're right. Like sometimes I'd be like, Oh man, I totally got this conversation because I'd have so much philosophy and I can definitely show them like all these natural things. Like I believe in science. And then Beth, what's your favorite line when people say, I believe in science. Great. So does the church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the best scientists are. Right. Right. Would say. And yeah. And, yeah. Right. and so then you're like, okay. And then especially once you start getting really good at it, you start listening to like, these common answers, like, Oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And then you're just like, Okay, like this. So that means like you might believe that God exists. Okay, so the, can we talk about this guy Jesus? How what do you think about this guy? And like, mm-hmm. um, kind of doing like listening to these com very common responses. Like I think those were the main two: spiritual but not religious. It was huge on the college campus uh, all man. the time. And then also, and then I, that's when I would be just really just try to like not pry and not in a like a demeaning sense, but a real, like, have you really like thought this through? Like, what does this really mean? What does it mean to be spiritual, but not religious? Like, does that like, what, where would you say the foundation of the world comes from? And like really like allowing them to talk themselves into their own philosophy on, on how they see the world. And that way it's not me projecting because people could obviously be coming from very many different places. So I think the art of evangelization is just what I like, yeah, having to listen to them, but also me not getting comfortable with my answers coming back at them. And like, I, that's, that is one thing that as I got used to it would do instead of listening to the Holy spirit. Um, but I think, yeah, that's about all of our time that, yeah, we have today Deacon. I'm so grateful for you coming on and just sharing what you guys are doing over there at the Mount. Um, is, is actually, I know we're at spring break time right now. Is there one coming up? Is, are you guys about to do so, one? I, I'm pretty sure they're already back. So I'm on pastoral year right now. Right. I see. They went, I'm pretty sure they just finished a trip to Virginia tech. Oh, cool. So that was where, uh, they were going for, for the spring yeah, break. Of them. I was ask you about that. Yeah. That's but there's actually, um, a book that was published last year that kind of recounts the history of, uh, the evangelization trips at the mountain. It was written by, uh, co-authored by the founder of of the evangelization trips at Mount St. Mary's, Father Thomas Cavanaugh. And the book is called, I believe, How to Win Souls for Christ, One Conversation at a Time. Hmm. It talks about the training that we do. It talks about the Father's, um, you know, experience with evangelization himself and kind of um, what it was like on campus and what it looks like maybe maybe in the parish. So Yeah, translating those absolutely yeah put that plug in there and like i think that'd be great and that's a, even a further discussion is we talked about your own life but that's a whole nother podcast is what, how does this evangelization and maybe even doing parish evangelization efforts and how this could something like this could be fostered in the parish um but thanks deacon so glad to have absolutely. you on yeah thank you for having me absolutely. it's a pleasure being with y'all all right thank you so much it was great to meet you Nice to meet you, Beth. God bless.